welcome back, everybody, to the Big Bad Beetle Bros. Woo! I'm Cam. I'm Nick. And I'm Ryan. And we're here with a special guest for this episode, Rick Schick. He was a lead VFX artist on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Big Bad Beetleborgs, VR Troopers, uh, Mask Rider, see, Mask Rider uh, and then went on to work in just a impressive list of production. It doesn't like, even begin to encroach upon the <laughs> entire uh, collection of what you've worked on. It's really incredible. And it's not like a whole bunch of stuff you've never heard of, like uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. You have a credit in that. Uh, no idea exactly how much uh, involvement you've had in these, but it, I mean, hey, I'm not credited in anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do consider myself Oscar award winning, even though I didn't get the Oscar. Scott Stokedyke and uh, Ken Ralston got it, but right. I was on the team, so we all consider that we all won the Oscar. Awesome. We take those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. That yeah, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, first and foremost, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast tonight and, you know, reaching out on, uh, on Facebook. First of all, we wanted to ask what kind of uh, early inspirations did you have to get into VFX specifically, but also just filmmaking and uh, kind of that industry in general? Sure. When I was, uh, when I was young, um, I'm the, the fifth of five kids. I have three older brothers, an older sister, mostly influenced by my brothers who like to make models and blow them up. So I can, I can yeah. remember using my dad's 16 millimeter camera to, to film models blowing up. That was always fun. And um, being the youngest, I was the, the crazy weird one of the family uh, by far. And I even, um, I can remember uh, calling um, uh, Toys R Us when I was really young. There was a Dick Smith monster makeup kit. If you know anything about um, film prosthetics and stuff like that, um, Dick Smith was huge. Uh, a lot of people remember him for, um, uh, uh, what was that? The Exorcist. Uh, he did the makeup mm -hmm. for that. Right. Figured out, okay, you know, yeah. how to make the head spin, how to make the vomit. He did all the blood shots for The Godfather. So he was, he was huge and he had a monster makeup kit. And I can remember calling Toys R Us and being like, hello, do you have the Dick Smith monster <laughs> makeup kit? And they're like, because, you know, you had to call stores back then if you wanted to know if they right. had something. Because, yeah. you know, Toys R Us was like a 35-minute drive. That's not happening anytime <laughs> soon. And uh, they're like, hold on, ma'am. We'll go check. It's like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> You know, so, so like I was the kid who I, I got that and they're like one of the things in it was a mold to make a the hunchback of Notre Dame's, Ooh. you know, like his, his, his sloughed eye that's yeah. kind of sliding yeah. down his face. So I'd like spend all Saturday putting that on, putting the makeup on and then go play basketball with my friends. <laughs> and like it would eventually just kind of melt off. But I'm like, hey, check out what I made. Look what I did. Um, did they think it was cool? Uh, I think so. <laughs> I don't know. They didn't we'll tell ourselves a friend do. group. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, yeah. But I, I always loved art. I always loved drawing. Um, and, and I just found, uh, I always found film fascinating. I loved Ray Harryhausen, huge influence. Um, I must've seen, uh, Clash of the Titans like 30 times when it came oh, out yeah. that summer. And my, my next door neighbor, uh, was my best friend, Chris Patillo. He and I would walk to the theater. That was like an hour walk. And we just spent the summer in that theater watching that movie. Like, like Medusa 
that Medusa like changed my life because it was so <laughs> real that he did the interactive lighting with the flames and the shadows on it. And I would just watch that and my mind was just blown as a, as a how amazing it looked, how real it looked. Like, how did they right. make that lady do that? And, uh, and it's funny because now like we show, um, I, have a, I put up a big backyard theater where I have a, like a 25 foot screen that I can put up and down. Ooh. And um, we show, we call it, our, our address is 63. So we call it Cinema 63. Nice. And have, That's awesome. And like, I remember watching Clash of the Titans and being like, wow, I thought this was good. <laughs> um, I, I remember like the people being destroyed by, by Poseidon's waves that were rushing over the city. And I thought it was really cool and rewatching it like, oh yeah, that's not that great. But Medusa <laughs> is still freaking just as awesome as the yeah, day yeah. I first saw it. So he was a big influence. And then when I was in college and I was studying, um, I was like, uh, I was studying art history because that seemed like something where you could get a job. And I was kind <laughs> of doing art on the side and watching, you know, and I love films. And I remember uh, watching Evil Dead 2 Oh, the, yes. you know, like, that was a huge influence on me in that I'm like, okay, this guy's from Michigan. I'm from Michigan. If he <laughs> makes movies, I can make movies. Or maybe I can, I can at least help people make movies. And mm -hmm. so, so that was really big on, on pushing me toward, you know, maybe movie making is something that people can actually make money doing. Who knows? Yeah, right. That's awesome. It, it's funny, you mentioned you, you were studying art history. That's what I got my uh, undergrad in. Uh, <laughs> mainly to work in, in museums, but I uh, kind of bounce around. It's definitely not a, a, a career to go in for money. <laughs> right. Well, it was the closest thing that sounded good for art. And then it was like, it was like uh, art history and then industrial design in art school. Like industrial design sounds, that sounds like something you can make a living doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's got industrial in the name. I had a, uh, one of my roommates in college she uh she moved out to california like a year before i did and she was working at corman studios and she would call me like once a month and be like ricky you got to come out here we'll make beautiful movies together so <laughs> eventually when i graduated and and I, I i left my job in michigan and just kind of packed everything up into a car and, and headed out to california because i'm like well that's where they make movies i guess that's where i gotta go fair enough First subject. So I guess if, like kind of early on here, I can see uh, at least the first credit that we've, we've got for you here was, is home improvement. Um, so is that kind of where you got like your start? It actually was not. Um, home improvement was a massive client. Um, I worked at a place called Modern Video Film and we were on, I believe on Olive Avenue, right across from Warner Brothers Studios um, if you watch the anima Animaniacs, yeah. they would often talk about going to the Smokehouse restaurant. The Smokehouse okay. was right across the street in one direction. The other street was the Warner Brothers studio. Huh. So the company huh. I worked for was a post-production facility, and they had a bunch of Warner Brothers shows that were their clients. And then Saban, um, Haim Saban was a friend of the owner, and so they ended up doing... Um, they ended up doing Power Rangers and then other Saban products as well. So I was actually hired to work for this on the second season of Power Rangers. And once, once I was in their, in their offices, there were only, um, I was the, the fourth visual effects artist, I believe in their, in their facility, they had a small visual effects department that they had created. And uh, only three of us were working on the Saban stuff. One other guy did the daytime stuff 
um, like you know, the big things, um, so, you know, like home improvement. And, um, and one of the artists that I worked with who worked on Saban, he also did all the stop motion homey stuff for, um, okay. for home improvement. So homey yeah, was, was like that bug that. at okay, the yeah. beginning that would come out and kind of walk around. So he did that stop motion. And occasionally, just if we were busy, if we weren't like, depending what was going on, what was needed right away, you would work on whatever that was. So I did do some home improvement, but it was not the first thing I did. It was just, you know, ancillary to working on Saban. Gotcha. Okay. But I guess, I guess in a timeline, it shows up as first mm -hmm. because home improvement started before Power Rangers started. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Beat them by a couple years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. It looks like I started earlier than I did because of the time on that. Uh, right. on the gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I was just, I was just interested in that. <laughs> I watched a ton of <laughs> sure, it sure. growing up. So Saban was kind of a jumping off point for, uh, for you in, in that uh, kind of coming on in season two of Power Rangers. And then did you uh, kind of uh, just fill in the gaps whenever it was needed on Power Rangers and then moving on to other Saban projects or uh were you more more involved as time went on and, and they started getting all these non-power agents moving on to vr troopers and mass rider and such yeah when um so the first season of power rangers i'd heard of it i was dating a girl who knew the one of the guys who became a power ranger um it's like oh that's cool i guess you know <laughs> i don't know i like early 20s who cares about power rangers right so i, I wasn't a kid then yeah, five-year-old um, so me is shitting his pants, but... Right. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I know. It's funny because it's like the younger generation that I talk with about Power Rangers because uh, people my age don't really know Power Rangers unless right. they work on it. Mm. You know, like we weren't the ones who actually watched it. Um, you know, we wa I watched it for work and we had a ton of fun doing it. Um, wait, what was the question? Where was I going? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Oh, 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 yeah, about, about um, starting on Power Rangers. So yeah, right. the, the first season was so huge. It, it was such an overwhelming success <laughs> that they realized, holy crap, we can't do this with just, you know, two artists and a supervisor at night. Right. We need to hire more people. <laughs> and I, I, was, um, I had spent about a year in Hollywood. Um, I went out and started working for um, – well, not working. It was – it was an unpaid internship for Corman Studios. So I started doing that as a casting assistant. So I worked on the actual first um, Fantastic Four movie uh, okay. oh, as, awesome. as a casting assistant. And after a while, I, I quit working for free for them. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You got tired of bringing in hot Chris Evan before he was hot. No. <laughs> uh, I was just reading so, I was copying so many scripts, you wouldn't believe it. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Although, although casting day was fun because I got to read opposite people. So that was, oh, actually, that is uh, fun. Oh, yeah. that, that was, that was a pretty neat uh, perk of the job. But um, yeah, so then I was, I, I just spent time sending my portfolio. I had a bunch of artwork that I had done. And, I, and back then you used to carry around a big portfolio, like a, like a big flat suitcase full of artwork right. to show people. And like, I went to Rhythm and Hughes. I went to the Kyoto brothers. I was big fans of theirs. They did. Um, they did a lot of uh, visual effects, but they also directed the movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so, like, those, those guys were awesome. And everywhere I went, it was, well, once you've done something, come back, and, and then we'll talk. Mm -hmm. And so it was that catch-22 of I have to do something to be able to get a job <laughs> doing what I want to be doing. Right. <laughs> and, and through a producer that I met who worked uh, at Paramount, he knew someone at Modern Video Film 
and knew that they needed more artists. And so that's how I, that's how I got in. And I showed in my portfolio, the, the first half hour I was there, they're like, okay, we need uh, my boss. Um, his name was Brian. He's like, we need a mat. You need to draw a mat for the, <laughs> for the buddies that are throwing Rita over the, over the fence in the, in Rita's castle. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, a mat. I believe that's like white on black. And I got to draw one frame. And I was just like sweating buckets. <laughs> like, 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 like oh. 20 strokes to, to, to cover this fence. And I wanted to match it perfectly. And it's mm. funny because it's in every single opening credit of the second season of Power Rangers where the two putties take the garbage can that Rita's in and throw it out of, off of the moon. Yeah. And it's like, oh. I made that that was my job interview nice fact, uh, that i had a sculpture background because in, in while i was doing industrial design i also mostly um was doing like, and that sounded good i was actually mostly doing figurative sculpture because uh that's why i found the most interesting so because of my sculpting background they knew i'd be able to sculpt the putties so i was hired oh, yeah. to to half help out the the um the uh, visual effects coordinator. So I was doing a lot of paperwork and then I was support for the artists. And it was so busy very quickly, I just became an artist as well. <laughs> That's awesome. That's, yeah, that uh, sculpting the putties, definitely you can feel that Harryhausen inspiration and, mm -hmm. and carrying through a little bit. Oh uh, yeah, and, and wanting, them, wanting to give them, you know, like, like even a tiny modicum of emotion or yeah. like, mm -hmm. like if two of them got hit, sometimes they'd look at each other and reach out to each other as they were going <laughs> away. And I'd only have like 15 to 20 frames to work on, but right. I, like I always wanted to try to do something fun with it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So uh, when you went from uh, uh, kind of, you know, get your foot in the door working on season two of Power Rangers, uh, was it a pretty natural progression of just picking up job to job as it went through the, the progressive seasons and then going into VR troopers and, and mass writer and uh, Beetleborgs, uh, or was it kind of an interview process again and again to, to get on different shows? Now being, being at the facility and being a staff artist, um, I quickly realized with the freelancers we had coming through that I was very fortunate to just sit there and work. Cause I talked to a bunch of freelancers who had to be in a tape room for five years, taking digibeta tapes, putting them in one deck and into another deck and then routing the wires so that the right editing room would see the right footage. And I just went in and, and became an artist. <laughs> so I was like, man, I'm in a million dollar room on half million dollar software. You know, like, like I, I, like I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I was flipping out. You're and, lucky bastard. Art, oh, completely, completely. And our boss, he was so good about creativity that anything we wanted to try, we would try. Which is why when, okay. um, and, and there, the shows were, I mean, people don't really think about this. The shows were five days a week, brand new. Right. It wasn't yeah. once mm -hmm. a week. It was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They can't imagine that kind of pressure. Would, yeah, that's why like the season, it's like 53 episodes. Yeah, right. Season. It's almost hard to get through. <laughs> right, and, and like season two of Power Rangers, we're celebrating the 100th episode. Hooray! Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, for some, for Man. most shows, is a really big yeah. How deal. long did that take the Simpsons? Right. <laughs> yeah, we just kind of flew through that. So, so once the bond was making money, 
on Power Rangers, it's like, okay, what other footage do I have? Let's see, let's go. And so it was just these other shows were coming out of Saban. And because we were the house that did the Saban work, we just did all of it. And okay. so it's like, oh, Beetleborg's another show. Hey, my roommate is a really good illustrator. I, he can do this job too. Okay, great. He's hired. You know, like, it's like, like we're just bringing Man. our friends in. Just everyone's getting jobs. Yeah. Hey, can we be friends? <laughs> <laughs> so it was, and, and because, because we were allowed to be creative, um, by the time we were on Beetleborgs, my first boss was gone. We had a new boss who, mm-hmm. once we knew, sort of knew him, we started following him home because we're like, where do you live? <laughs> are you one of us we need to make you one of us it's like why you leave me alone <laughs> like no you will become one of us um so we are one like, they were very open <laughs> to being creative so the fact that i like sculpting meant that especially for beetleborgs where it's like whatever mm. you know flabber is a thousand from the seventh dimension so right. he can do anything and they were you know pretty hands-off on what we were coming up with for him to do. So like whenever he does magic, his yellow gloves were really easy to key. A keying is a technique where you mm-hmm. can select a color in the uh-huh. computer and then cut out whatever the image that that color is. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of times when he does magic, you'll see his hands grow. And that's just okay. me being stupid. Like, hey, let's just <laughs> make, make it grow. You know, and no one's saying no. No one's saying no to any of it pretty much. I said that is a nice uh, amount of creative freedom for sure. Oh, yeah. And like, even like when he sneezes and his head gets big or his, yeah. chin, you know, like, it, like it was just, oh, his face is so white. I can key his face okay. make it match pretty easily. I'm going to make his face that. grow. You know, it's like we're testing out the software at the same time. We were experimenting and if the experiment didn't work, it would still air because there wasn't time to redo it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that like, explains a lot of what, like okay. the little yeah. weird things yeah, that, we've seen. That's the best you're going to get. So, um. <laughs> There, it wasn't MS Paint. It was there was a gra- <laughs> graphics factory. I mean, yeah, it All was right, expensive now, stuff. At uh, least we can credit the right software. That's what's right, most important. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, there was a uh, a Henry back then is what I mostly used, which was it was um, software for rotoscoping, and okay. ro- rotoscoping is painting on film one frame at a time. Mm-hmm. So we would paint on the digital files, or you know, like each each frame is a file. We could paint on each file. Uh, very quickly and it was really interesting because it didn't have a mouse it had something called a rat so <laughs> i would have a, a tablet that i would draw on and the tablet basically represented the monitor and the rat was like a frame counter so once i was in a specific area of of um of the software where i could draw on the frames um whether i was drawing on a mat or on the frame on the footage itself the rat had three buttons on it one button was to advance forward one button was to go backwards and one button was to render or capture what you had just drawn on that frame. Oh geez, did you ever accidentally frame. hit that button? So, you know, of course, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the point of the, the rat was that it was like flipping pages if you were doing like cell animation yeah. on a table, how they flip pages to look forward and backward. That's basically what the rat's function was. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. I never knew that. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> Oh, it was, it was groovy, man. And because we were working at night, we kind of had free range of the building because during the day, there'd be very, very uh, 
you know, like powerful clients in. Oh, yeah, it I'm was, sure. You know, and, and like lots of client service. Um, you know, like I said, like right across from Warner Brothers. Right, Sometimes right. <laughs> like Steven Spielberg would be there during the oh, day. Geez. You know, in, in the room that I worked in. And the oh. room was beautiful because it had clients in it. So we just come mm. in at night and it's like, oh, they're feeding me. Someone bringing me the cookies. So much. I'm making goofy stuff, and I'm in like the most beautiful room I've ever been in in my life. It's like the exact opposite of what we've been describing the poor VFX artists that worked on Beetleborgs. <laughs> now we were we we had an awesome time, and actually because they did feed us, because at a certain time they would, you know, they, there was food for the clients, mm -hmm. and we were so inexpensive because we didn't know what we were worth. They're like, oh yeah. <laughs> you guys can eat too. And we're like, Oh, great. I get a free dinner. <laughs> right. So that's when we would take the opportunity so to watch the shows. So we would see all the shows. So we'd know what we're doing. Okay. You know, like how it fit into the show or how to make a plan. Cause nowadays that doesn't really happen. Like I'll work on shows and I, as, as a, uh, as a creative director, I'll watch the shows. But if I'm, if I'm being an artist for someone else, because like my project isn't in yet, which is my current situation. I'm waiting on a super awesome project that I probably can't tell you guys about. <laughs> um, but I'm be right now I'm just being used as an artist and I love it because it's far less stressful. Oh, um, right. But it's, uh, it, it's great being an artist, but I don't watch the shows. So I don't even know, like the, I don't know the scene I'm working on, how it fits into anything else because it just doesn't matter for what I'm currently doing. Right. Do you gotcha. think that it kind of helps? Because I don't know, for me, if I was trying to draw for a show that I was actually following, I feel like I'd kind of accidentally influence myself into it and not like stick with the true like character of the show. I'd, 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 well, <laughs> it, it sort of depends what capacity you're working in. Cause as a, as like a, a creative director or a comp supervisor, a composing supervisor, I'm asked for my opinion a lot and I'm expected to give my opinion. So that's where I can be more creative okay. as an artist. I tend to just shut that down and do what someone tells me to do. And if I can make something look better, I'll obviously do that. But I, I tend to keep my opinion to myself more as an artist. Whereas when I'm supervising, I'm all about giving my opinion. Right. <laughs> right. So it, it sounds like and and you're not the only person that we've we've heard or read this from that beetleborgs and pretty much all the saban shows seemed like they had just this huge awesome creative freedom about the production and, and i know the actors have said that on uh, multiple occasions that they've you know outside of being stretched to varying degrees right <laughs> yeah. and they weren't having to do stunt trading <laughs> uh, i know when we we spoke with gabe torres about directing some episodes there were some uh stark contrast between working on a show that has footage already made and props already made and things like that ready and assets already made for the Japanese version. Uh, what were some, some differences or difficulties that, if any, that you faced when working on, uh, you know, Beetleborgs or VR Troopers and, and having to fit, like you said, with the, the map for uh, Rita's castle, having to fit things like that. Together? Sure. Well, I, I think it'd be a bit different for the director because he was in production and I was in post-production. So okay. the footage is generally already shot. Occasionally, if there was something big going on, um, like, like some, uh, you know, some fabulous thing they thought of that, uh, I can't believe I didn't say fabulous. I know, <laughs> oh, man. They thought of, I know, perfect opportunity. <laughs> um, but uh, if, if it was something extravagant that we were going to do, then we would be consulted ahead of time and we'd storyboard something out and, 
come up with different ideas. But for the most part, being in post, things are shot and given to us. So for us, it becomes, <laughs> oh, I just have a great example. It becomes <laughs> a matter of just, you know, we're doing visual effects on American footage or sometimes on Japanese footage. It's more the editor cutting it together and the audio making the audio work across it so that it feels like it's one thing when it's clearly, let's all go to the quarry after we're in the, <laughs> yep. you know, like you're trying to hide, they're trying to hide that, but that really wasn't my problem. Right. Um, <clears throat> where it does become our problem is in, in where they want to do something with the, uh, with the American actors or, or they want to do something in America that wasn't done in Japan, but they want to use the Japanese footage. And a, a good example of that is, uh, so when I was hired, I was Rick B. Uh, or no, I was Rick A. There was a Rick 1. Because um, <laughs> neither <laughs> of us wanted to be, like, like we're, we both needed to be at the front. So he's Rick 1 and I was Rick A. <laughs> no, Rick no, B. no one was above <laughs> anybody else. Um, but uh, Rick Cortez, fantastic artist. To this day, he's an amazing artist, great illustrator. Love him, love his work, love everything about this guy. Name sounds fake. But he familiar. had to do, when, when, when uh, Drew, I think it's Drew, calls the Beatle Battle Base. Yeah. <laughs> and it comes up out of the ground. In the Japanese mm -hmm. footage, it's just coming out of, you know, the quarry ground. Like the yeah. bottom of the quarry. But we for us, they're always standing in the orchard. Where that, where the, right. uh -huh. where the Hillhurst house really was, it was, it was actually in an, an orange grove, and so oh, we, had an to, grove. we had we to put the apples. orange yeah. grove on top of the Japanese footage, and that was a ton of work. <laughs> oh, I bet. And it was long before there was tracking software. Tracking was like by <laughs> hand; it was by eye. You're looking at it. You're going over the footage. You're trying yeah. to match things together. So oh. when you see the beetle base open up, and it's the orange trees on top. And it's kind of sliding a little bit. It's because we were trying to put American footage on top of the Japanese footage because we were locked into this is how the base arrives. You got to make it look like it's by the mansion. Right. Oh, and man. And to be like, fair, that's when we're chewing our fingernails like, holy crap, how are we going to make it? <laughs> You're going to do right. all the trees? <laughs> I mean, it. we haven't noticed like the orchard itself being a problem with the, whenever they call the battle base, like it's mostly the vehicles just like, at the very beginning look a little bit like toys, but like really well shot toys. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's all the Japanese stuff. And actually we right. got to see those toys. They sent them to us and they were, they're big and they're super cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're freaking awesome. Huh. And we use those to make the CG models that uh, go oh, right okay. kind of goofy later. So that was our, <laughs> that was our first attempt at, uh, at CG work was in, was in Beetleborgs um the the awesome andrew orloff uh who is one of the principals at zoic now um great guy he's awesome that's where i met him he we hired him to do the cg for us because we figured they want they they didn't want to do a model shoot they thought it would be it would be you know more cost effective than doing a model shoot would be to do the cg mm -hmm. so it's actually funny if you'll if you ever go back to the first or second episode when the magnivore jets first come out they're mm -hmm. flying the wrong way because we didn't know how they flew. We, just saw, <laughs> we saw in the footage that the that the pointy part was aiming forward. That's fair. With the wing, yeah, but but that's at, that's when they go into attack mode. Mm -hmm. The pointy part is actually facing backwards as they fly forward. 
Is it a trilobite or Romulan ship? Who's to say? (laughs) (laughs) They do that that all wrong for the first episode. We're like, oh, crap, they're backwards. And that's (laughs) like, yep, no time to fix it. That's the way those are going to be. Man, we didn't even notice that. <laughs> I didn't notice that at all. Yeah. For all that there's, we nitpick. Right. Yeah, they're flying around backwards in the first, yeah, their first appearance, they're flying around backwards in that episode. We'll have to revisit that. Yeah. <laughs> or at least the CG ones are. Yeah, and that's okay. just, you know, it's like we're trying to match Japanese. We're right. trying, you know, this new, to me, 3D um, or, you know, computer graphics 3D. Uh-huh. Back then, I was very adversarial with it because I made live action puppets and I made stop motion puppets. And right. I'm like, this is real 3D. I can touch this. <laughs> you know, your 3D is, is fake 3D. Like, let's yeah. call that uh-huh. fake 3D instead of 3D. But, you know, I obviously lost that battle because now everyone knows what 3D means. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I, but I was like the grumpy old man even back then, like, why are you kidding <laughs> the, the march of progress. In my day, I could hold something that was 3D. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was fun. Like, and, like, we're always trying to integrate things. Like, there are times where Flabber's neck was 3D, but his head would be green screen and cut out, and we'd attach them together. Uh-huh. Um, like one of the times his head grew really big. It was a 2D effect I did. And another time there was a CG flabber head. So yeah, we were always trying everything. We were trying, we were trying to, to integrate everything. That's super rad. And that's where growth happens is whenever you're allowed to just try whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and because of my, my love of puppets, like I was mm-hmm. able to put a lot of puppets in and yeah. being, you know, like, like, like when flabber has to, his head turns into a train whistle. It's like, yeah. I'm going to oh. sculpt, sculpt that. I you sculpted sculpt that. that? That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> or even like the hearts in their eyes, their little heart sculptures that I made that we put on wires and then shot those hearts. Um, I don't I, swing that know, way, but can I marry you? Like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome, If we dude. could do something practically, and it, it, because we did have um, in the basement uh, where I work, there was a, a parking garage and we had two spaces that we could set aside anytime we needed to shoot something. And so we had like green screens down there we could pull down. We had, you know, a blue screen, a black screen, a white screen. We shot um, one of our, um, our uh, what was it? Our, um, uh, what do you call the, who's the, who's the bean counter guy? Not an attorney. Accountant. I'm Accountant, thank you. I knew it was an English. Hey, um, you did it. <laughs> you win. So he, uh, he had a pyrotechnician's license. So he oh, would cool. get chemicals. Man, what an accountant. In, in, in the basement, yeah, it's like accounting. Hey, hey Paul, we need this. So <laughs> we, would, um, we would sculpt like little shapes or forms or like little shot glasses that we would put it in to try to get it to shoot out in a certain direction when it was lit on fire. And so those would be some of the effects that we would use. We could shoot. You know, we could shoot anything. It was really fun. That's awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> Were there? Uh... Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I, I've, I've done other things that are that are a lot cooler and more impressive, but I don't think I've ever had more fun than when we were doing the Saban stuff. Just because the the creative freedom was was so right. insane. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're just uh, three dudes from a small town, so putting off fireworks in a shot glass, that's right up our alley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like, it's like hey, this, this is kind of sort of what I used to do. Like, we, I used to take sparklers, and we'd, like, dump all, like, we'd, like, break the sparklers up when I was a yep. kid and put it all, in, all into a frying pan and light it at once. It's like, yes. 
I almost burned like, the barn down with those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, that pan is really stuck to that manhole cover. I don't think it's like, <laughs> that time Matt cracked the water main. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, we had a friend in our hometown that uh, made a sparkler bomb, threw it down a storm drain, and like cracked the asphalt of the street that he threw it down. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was a real smart yeah. thing he did. <laughs> I, I had a friend who uh, who made pipe bombs, and in winter we'd go blow up ponds. It's like, oh wow! I don't know, like, it's like, hey, Pete's gonna make a pipe bomb this weekend. We're like, sweet, we're right yep. on. <laughs> You're going to go blow up a tree or, you know, some ice or what? <laughs> I mean, what is there to do in Michigan but make pipe bombs, I guess? Right. Is that it? You just go out in the middle of nowhere and blow stuff up. Okay. <laughs> do that here. <laughs> you said that they, they sent over the uh, um, the miniatures for the, the Beetle AVs, the vehicles, uh, previous right. to, to look at. But when you use the uh, to make the CG models, were there often props or things that you guys got to handle or or uh make that were in the show or was it uh what was kind of the ratio of, of cg to practical effects because i know it, at least from us watching it it looks like beetleborgs dived into uh, cg a little bit more than say power rangers um i, I know vr troopers tried to quite which a would make sense given what we've heard of the creative freedom like yeah. they were yeah. allowed to experiment yeah yeah we we definitely i believe uh went more with the CG in, uh, in, in Beetleborgs than we did in Power Rangers. And as Beetleborgs, you know, geared up, I was doing less Power Rangers. So I was on Power Rangers. I think the last thing I worked on was Power Rangers in space. And at that point, yeah. I was a freelancer coming back. And I just did a couple episodes of that. But even Turbo, I think, was around the same time as Beetleborgs. So I wasn't Yeah, it was like within a year of each other, okay, I think. Okay, yeah. I, I didn't yeah. do much on Turbo, but I was sort of there for it. Um, and I, I do, I mean, I don't know, I'm old, so it's hard to recall things, but <laughs> I do think that we did a lot more CG. Um, we were trying, we we're being more experimental with the CG in, um, in Beetleborgs. And I think, and actually with Masked Rider as well, um, I don't think there was a lot in VR Troopers, but, um, Beetleborgs, like one of the, one of the greatest things I think we did, and it's something that I, I still enjoy doing to this day is putting everything together in one. So I don't know, have you guys gotten to the episode where Flabber turns into a dragon? No, and we were even looking for it after you said it. We wanted to find it, but uh, I guess uh, we <laughs> it might be a season two. Oh, I, I guarantee it. We're pretty close uh, enough that I We feel just like watched the Christmas episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> that that little elf flabber on the lawn is the oh best thing God. I have ever seen in my life. Uh, I, I want to see Clark Griswold come out and funny? beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Check that out. Well, so there's a there's a he turns into a dragon, I think, to scare the kids at one point. Is it like a and full on like like yeah. smog type dragon? A fire breathing dragon. That's uh, awesome. I prefer dude. to think smog is more like my dragon because mine was first. Oh, to, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and mine's more like Dragon Slayer, so I give Dragon Slayer credit. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, so yeah, so it was a flabber-like dragon, and Rick Cortez drew an illustration of what it could look like, and then I spent like a month sculpting it and casting wow. it at my house because we didn't really have the facilities at work. And what materials did I, you use? Um, it's uh, it has a aluminum armature inside. 
Okay. And then it's ex yeah, it's an expanding foam and then a latex skin. Nice. And then I oh. I painted the skin, and so it it was and it it was mounted on a table where it could rear up on its hind legs. The mouth mm. open and closed. The front legs could kind of paw the ground. Wow. And and it took three of us to operate it. Um, <laughs> I mean, and, and it was, it was totally cool. So he turns into a dragon and for C and, and CG, they made wings that matched him okay. because we didn't, cool. we didn't, we didn't do the wings. And I think it was like, originally he wasn't going to have wings, but then they wanted wings. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Stephen McClure, he made the <laughs> wings, animated the wings and tracked it to the puppet that I made. And so when you have all those elements working together and then we comped fire coming out of his mouth. Oh yeah. And, mm -hmm. and another artist made his eyes blink and move left and right. And, uh, and it was awesome. Like it was like everything coming together. It was comping on the puppet and the puppet was, you know, comped into the scene and yeah. we puppeteered it and we shot it. <laughs> and, and it's like, I'm mad that I can't do everything myself. Cause I'm used to doing, you know, hundred oh, yeah. percent <laughs> or it's not yeah, mine. Sure. <laughs> and, and so it's like, Oh, I got to share. There's too much work. I can't just do it all. Um, but it was great. It was so, it was really fun. And like everyone was excited. Everyone who worked on it was excited, you yeah. know, because we were doing something big and cool. And actually it was really gratifying because after that episode, they let the, the our client, like the puppet, uh, like the dragon so much, they brought him back for another episode. Oh, they cool. turned into a dragon again for no real reason. <laughs> just because we can. Was that a common thing? Like somebody just likes something that, you did and they were just like let's do it again so they could just do it <laughs> um you know what i i think it i think it wasn't because that really stood out as as a moment of okay. hey do this again because it, it worked so well and we liked it so much that's got to okay. be gratifying and, and we put we put so much like even like rebuilding the background so that when you're looking at cam at, at, at flabber the camera moves up and the camera never did that but so okay. I had to make like the top in the background of Hillhurst house. Like the right. sec I had to like work the second story into it. It was really crazy. Huh. That's, That's awesome. I can't wait until we get to that. Yeah. I'm like really excited to see it. <laughs> renewed motivation to keep going. Through yeah. We're going to have to hit you up and tell you how it was actually so yeah, far yeah, you and you're garbage. Oh no. No, we'd never. I, I can tell you who isn't excited. My kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How much experience do they have with your work? Oh, they're, they're sick of it. They're it's, <laughs> it's nice. nothing to them. That's how you know you're doing true it right. Artist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I started rewatching Beetleborgs for this and uh, we tried watching it maybe five years ago and it didn't go well. I think we didn't get through the first episode. So at this oh. point, I've rewatched the first four and a half episodes. Oh, and it's just, it's nothing but memories. Oh, even, even to the point, and I'm sure this has probably happened. Um, when you, when I, when I started listening to your guys' podcasts. Um, so when, they're, when they do the words, I'm, I drew all the words at the beginning. Toward the end, other artists had to start doing them. But I would say at least the first half of the first season, I probably drew every single word. And I was excited to do it because I'm like, oh, it's like a Batman thing. Right. Yeah. The onomatopoeia. That's and there so was a, cool. And, and it's like, and I wanted to add more color to them and more shape to them. So it wasn't just mm -hmm. the same thing every time. Of course, they started reusing some of the cards. Like I've already seen right. Zap like two or three times. But at right. one point, um, they, they, they would just write sound effect. 
they wouldn't specify a sound effect. So it was up to okay. me. So there's one where they're doing the comic book panel thing, which I always thought was fun. Oh, um, oh yeah. That's one of our favorites. Oh, yeah. We love it. And, and whoever it is, I don't remember if it's a Beetleborg or the bad guy, but someone kicks, does like a high kick right at camera. So I did K-R-A-K. I did crack coming out of his crack. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, and it got by no one, no one noticed that that's what was happening <laughs> i was like so proud of myself like oh yeah sweet <laughs> i got it in there <laughs> yeah exactly no that's exactly what it was like and then yeah. i i got chick in i got my last name in as a sound nice. effect oh oh that's that's probably why your name seemed familiar. I'm pretty sure we commented on that in an episode. Oh, really? If yeah. not like in a recording, I'm sure we talked about it. Yeah. It's like, what kind of very unique. I was used to Biff, Bam, Zow, Bop, Bop. Yeah, yeah, like punch, kick. But Schiff, that was, I mean, Schick, sorry. I'm, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah so like, I, I got that in. And it's funny because our coordinator at one point, um, his last name was Spratt. And I'm like, oh, Sprat is an awesome sound effect. Yeah. yeah. It didn't fly. They didn't let it go through. Oh, what? Put it in. what? I think maybe because they knew yeah. him too much. <laughs> he spent uh, too much time with the client, and so they knew his name. And they're like, no, nah, you can have your name in that. I don't know. But I thought, because I thought Sprat is a really good sound effect. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like oh, Splat, yeah. but a little bit more visceral. <laughs> right, right. But, no, that one, that one, they actually rejected it. Oh. Yep. Uh. So I don't know uh, uh, how much direction did they give with the uh, sound effect cards? Was it, I, I've heard before that it was uh, to cover up some of the more, the violent fight scenes or right. was it, was it, did they have specific scenes that they wanted it on or was it more like, Hey, that's a fight scene, start throwing sound effects in. No, it, it would be in the script where the sound effects go. And originally, if I remember correctly, it would it would say what the sound effect was that they wanted. And then later, they just got lazier, and it would just say sound effect. <laughs> so then we, we would know that that's where we had to put a word in. Okay. And I think yes, maybe still... at a certain point, I had made enough of them that we had a library of them. Oh, so yeah. So then they just started, you know, like they would just pulling start reusing. Out. Yeah. yeah, they start pulling them out and reusing them. Um, but that was one aspect that I, I enjoyed that as well. I enjoyed, like, I was very proud of the fact that I, I made the words. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's really cool. one of those things that I think stands out for Beetleborgs above mm -hmm. the other Saban properties is that mm -hmm. it, it had those, you know, 60s Batman-esque. Yeah, I can't think of another show, honestly, that I actually have watched that uses those kind of sound effects. And it, it's brilliant. It's kind of like a... Uh, new Scooby-Doo using a laugh track, you know, yeah. like there's something just really nice about it. Yeah. Or, you know, what? I, I even, uh, if I can go so far, the, no. uh, into the spider verse, <laughs> the way that they use, oh, all the words, yeah. you know, they do it brilliantly. It works so well in that movie. Oh was, yeah. Isn't that the one every frame of that is art. It's just at amazing. one point someone throws a bagel at somebody and the actual onomatopoeia pops up and it just says bagel. Yes. Oh, it's hit yep. with it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. True work of love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, have, have you guys have you guys seen Little Ghoul yet? Has she been not introduced? Yet. We've okay. uh, <laughs> I think we we spoiled ourselves a little bit to some season 2 stuff into some later episodes. 
And oh, one of the things we right. really didn't, we were looking <laughs> I at uh, the list of the house monsters. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we ended up seeing a little bit of Little Ghoul, but we didn't, uh, we haven't seen an episode. Yeah, and I, I think I saw the specifics, but it's been forgotten by now. That, that was like six <laughs> months ago. My life was together back then. It's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah, we always called her Little Jawa. Oh! Yep. <laughs> well, now I'm excited to see this too. Suka! But there were some um, there's some fun stop motion with her that we got to do. Cool. Um, wait, did Wolfie get attacked by what he's, he's scared of the most? Oh, the fleas? Yeah, we saw yeah. you had a toy yeah. of a flea. Is that the very same? That is, I do. Um, it's actually a sculpture of a flea that I made. Um, actually, you know, it's funny talking about reusing things because they like the fleas so much. They wrote them into a, a later episode as well. Yeah. Um, yeah we but, just pointed that out the other episode, I think, is oh. one that we just did where it was like the same exact flea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, just it, it, that's exactly what it was. And it's a, it's a sculpt. I made a sculpture and it's a stop motion puppet that I made. Man, and we thought it was completely CGI. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, no, we, we shot it on blue screen and, you know, like, I, 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 compositing skills were only so, so back then. Because I watch these things, I'm like, oh, there's just black lines around all of the comps and or, you know, any of the green screen or the blue screen or right. like Flabber's mm-hmm. color is like electric. Because we didn't know how to balance color back then. We've seen that too. He gets kind of pale sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just we were we were weak. We were learning. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like it was the school of Saban visual effects, and that we didn't really know what we were doing. And they're like, "Here, here's some new software. See what you can do." Is sort of how we started. And there, it's not like there was YouTube and we could watch training videos. You know, we just had to play around with it and read the manual and see what we could do. Right. Right. I mean, I clearly remember working on um, Power Rangers where um, the replacement for Kimberly, Cat, was like surrounded in some sort of red fire. And I'm like, oh, I'll make this red. And mm-hmm. it just breaks your TV. It was so <laughs> <red>. <laughs> and, and with the professional monitors, I couldn't see that. But when I saw it at home finally... I'm like, holy cow, I did such a bad job. (laughs) But, you know, it was like a great, it was an amazing way to learn, learn the business and learn what we were doing and what works and what doesn't. Yeah. So did that, uh, that being kind of like your first uh, kind of foray into all of those mediums and into the industry, uh, is there anything that you kind of took away from, from working from Saban, like any kind of like, uh, tips and tricks or, or uh, uh, creative inspirations or anything like that, that you kind of carried on that you, you found yourself uh, on bigger projects and, and major motion pictures and, and bigger shows and things going back to and thinking, oh, this is something that I kind of honed or, or learned working on the Saban shows. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah, there's um, one is just the, the camaraderie that we had where we really seemed like a family of like young misfits and like we weren't into drugs or anything but it was like buying toys and buying remote control cars and like racing them <laughs> yeah, late at night those are your drugs two in the morning and like go and get chili cheese fries at 2 30 oh hell yeah bed. like it, and you know getting up at, at, at 10 and going to the beach before heading into work because we worked at night like we that kind of you. camaraderie <laughs> when, um 
when I was on um, uh, the Captain America, yeah. that was Sony's first time working with Marvel. Right. Because there was sort of some bad blood about that whole story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I think we've covered it on the podcast, actually. We've actually oh, yeah. talked about it, yeah. <laughs> so their first foray into working, uh, into Marvel working with Sony was on Captain America. And I worked on that. And my, my, um, I, uh, there was an artist that I worked with where he and I were the leads. And we made like an entire Captain America lounge out of where we worked. <laughs> that artists could like our artists working for us weren't right where we were but they could always come and hang out in our lounge with us like it, oh, it yeah. always looked like a party was about to break out <laughs> where, where the uh the the, the what, what was he he was like the um facility manager he'd walk by and be like hey you can't have your space like this like everything's wrong because the furniture was all wrong we had cobbled it together from other areas and <laughs> conform with what it was supposed to be. But he's like, oh, are you doing this because of the Marvel inspection? And we're like, yeah, that's why. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> sure, sure, the inspection. That's, is that this week? Uh, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, great, keep it up. So we totally like broke the Sony rules to make this, I, what I felt was like a really warm, inviting place where artists know that they can come and talk to us and they're, they're gonna be listened to. And we're going to, you know, we're going to work through things together and not be, you know, like, because some, some people are super competitive. They don't want to share information. They don't want to mm -hmm. share knowledge. Yeah, and that's the right. exact opposite of what I'm about. Oh, and yeah. So, like, right. we're able to bring that, that sort of camaraderie, I think, um, to when we're, you know, with our team, that, the small team that we had um, working on our part of uh, Captain America. And then technique-wise, my hammer that I always go to, some people, their hammer is CG. For me, my hammer is, can I do this for real? Is this something right. I can actually oh, yeah. shoot? So there are times where, um, and it's really nice, because like where I work, we're very collaborative, where they'll come to me and be like, here's a show you don't know anything about, but here's a problem we have. You know, what do you think? And I'll start to explain something. I'm like, you know what? Give me 20 minutes, and I'm going to shoot something that's a proof of concept, and you can decide yes or no based on what I shoot. And so then like, I'll go home and I'll make something and shoot something really quickly and show it to them. And then they can very quickly decide, oh, that's totally going to work or no, we need to go a different route. And right. when they are like, oh yeah, I see it now. You know, <laughs> when you were using words, I didn't quite get where you were going, yeah. but now you've shown me an image mm -hmm. and they have enough vision that they can see beyond you know, like the crapulence when I'm shooting something by myself in my backyard. Right. Right. <laughs> because it's not professional, but the proof of concept that they get the idea a lot. So like, like internally that works really well. And there's nothing I love more than that is like oh, yeah. giving oh, yeah. a solution that yes, this is and not, and not just try this, but here this is, and this will work. And they're like, Oh yeah, I can see that it will work. Great. That's what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and, and like I said, if I, and if, if someone can do something in CG quicker, great. But like there were times at, at, I, I spent a lot of time as a freelancer at Sony and there were times where it's like, well, we need to get a team out to go shoot, uh, you know, some, some tape on a wall. And it's like, I'm just going to go out front and put some tape on a wall and shoot it myself <laughs> with my camera and then import that footage. And then that's what we end up using. Yeah. <laughs> like, like let's just you know just cut through everything and right. just get stuff done you know if right. it can be done for real well do it for real 
And if you need a real reference, go shoot that real reference. If Jurassic Park taught us anything, it's that practical effects can hand over fists be way better than CGI if done correctly. <laughs> the thing. Least, what? The thing. Oh, oh the thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the thing is so. I heard that some of the. I love the thing. Some oh, yeah. of the stories about that were that people on set actually got ill watching it while they were shooting it because it was just doing all those things and people are yeah. like, oh, oh, like, uh-huh. like the, yep. the dog monster when it peeled back. Oh. People are like, oh, I gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> or, uh, from the autopsy when the head comes off and turns into the spider. I remember mm. the, yeah. that one apparently got a lot of people. Yeah, it's so well good. Yeah, you're well right. Well you're like, like that sort of thing. That's what I love more than anything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I'd say like when I was in high school, like a lot of the horror stuff, if it if I you know if I know it's not real, I'm always like, how did they do that? What was going right. on? Like, you know, like I love the whole Freddy Krueger thing. Even oh. when the movies mm-hmm. were bad, I still like them and had to go see <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. Well, no one likes like, them because they're cinematic masterpieces. <laughs> well, Most horror franchises get about one or two really I mean, good yeah, ones. The Johnny Depp to... Blood Geyser does uh, <laughs> beautiful deserve an award on beautiful. its own. <laughs> that one's a practical effect too. They, yeah. The entire it was room was built down. upside down, yeah. and they dumped yeah, a bunch yeah. of blood through it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, there's a lot of that in Evil Dead. There's a lot of practical yeah. stuff. There's stop motion in it. There's puppets in it. It's, oh, it's yeah. everything. Army of Darkness. Pretty much anything with Ash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny. I remember uh, going. Rainy, it's, <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually, when Army of Darkness was coming out, they had a signing at a poster shop oh, on yeah? Ivar in Hollywood. Um, in oh, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I brought a farewell to arms for Bruce to sign. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was pretty awesome my oh, uh, roommate what oh yeah he signed it my, oh, okay he signed, yes he signed it stubby k <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh man but he's like he's like oh this is unique no one's done this before and i'm like <laughs> bruce likes what i brought him <laughs> <laughs> it, it was funny because the posters at the time were like uh like a franzetta kind of drawing uh-huh. with like the woman on his leg and his shirts right open. yeah and so and, and my roommate was right next to me and he had stuff for bruce to sign as well and uh and like we're both flipping out because we just you know just well, love bruce campbell right. yeah bruce more campbell. than it's possible to even say Ruby. And, um, <laughs> he's standing and there so with his boom stick. Him, i was like so you uh you look pretty uh pretty ripped in those posters did you actually do that or is it just in the poster and he's like, well, you'll have to buy a ticket and find out. <laughs> and, uh, and all my roommate heard me saying, like later he was yelling at me. All he heard me say was, take your shirt off. <laughs> I'm like, that's not what I was saying. I didn't say that at all. He's like, well, that's what I heard. <laughs> I somehow feel like it wouldn't be the first time someone's told Bruce uh, either way, he's incredibly flattered. <laughs> flabbered. <laughs> flabbered. Flabbered. Oh, oh man. Uh, we're, we're pretty much on the uh, hour mark here. Uh, oh, wowee. Yeah, kind of closing out. Quick. Are there any, uh, uh, obviously, you've got a, a huge portfolio and, and a huge filmography. And are there any things that really stand out other than, of course, Beetleborgs? That uh, the most important of your works. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that really stands out as one of your favorites, uh, or, or the most fun, or the most memorable, or, or something that, if someone asks you, you know, what have you done? This is the thing that you call out. 
Sure. Um, it, it's funny because I love t-shirts and the uh, Green Lantern movie had the greatest crew shirt. They picked my design for the crew shirt. Oh, so the movie wasn't great, cool. but we had right. a great shirt. And I was like, I can retire now. I have a crew shirt that I designed <laughs> for a major movie. Like, I, I think this is the pinnacle right here. This is pretty good. Oh, yeah. Um, I was about to say that sounds bittersweet. But honestly, like, the fact that it was your design pick kind of outshines the fact that Green Lantern wasn't the best movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the movie wasn't great. But the T-shirt's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the go-to you should uh send us a picture or, or tweet it on your social media and we'll retweet it or post oh, it or, sure. i don't i'm not on social media so i don't know what the kids do nowadays <laughs> cameron or i will see <laughs> word is it's something called TikTok. oh there's that then working on spider-man 2 i didn't do much on it but the fact that we got an oscar and um, I was right. at Sony yeah. was really cool. Um, I, I, for a while, I was directing video game commercials for Electronic Arts oh, for cool. the E3 oh. show. So there was a time where I did the biggest uh, cinematic they had ever done was for the movie Superman Returns okay. for the video game. Right. And I directed that. And then I also went and worked on the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so that was like a kooky hey, year I've seen that this one right before um, when Spider-Man 3 was in the theater I got a call from Sony that hey we want you to come work on Spider-Man 3 I'm like isn't it done I just <laughs> saw it watching and, it. The, and Sam Raimi there were two shots that he wasn't pleased with and because he had so much money he's like I'm just going to pay to get these redone and I ended up working on Spider-Man 3 after it was in the theater for the DVD and the, the Blu-ray release so that, that the, the mud man, come when um, after Spider-Man hits him and he breaks all apart and then he reforms on the shore, yeah. I redid the transition because oh, it was cool. originally in the first release, it was just a wipe that like wiped <laughs> from top to bottom. And I did a, like a full animated reveal and lined everything up properly. Okay. Yeah. You didn't go back and make it into up. a star wipe? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, wind them with light and then they won't be able to tell <laughs> What was the other yeah. scene that you did for Spider-Man? So that was 3? pretty cool. Oh, no, that was, uh, that was it for Spider-Man. Oh, 3. it was just oh. like two scenes from the earth. It, it was it was one shot from Spider-Man Three that I came back to work on after it was uh, in the theaters. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and then professionally working on well, I would say um, Zathura was basically a version uh, in a way it was like Beetleborgs in that the Stan Winston puppets were awesome, but then we augmented them with CG and the combination of having something live on set. Yeah. to then put CG onto is so much better than just doing full CG all the way right. across. I can imagine. Like, like John Favreau directed that. He did a great job. Oh, that makes so much sense. Of, of deciding how to do the effects. So they look really, really good. They look really seamless. There, were mo there was model work. It, it, was, it, was like, it, was, it was like, like I said, it was all the different pieces coming together. And yeah. I even got to draw electricity in Zathura, which is oh, one of the things cool. I love doing from back oh, in the yeah. and I think any artist really loves drawing electricity. It's just fucking like <laughs> zappy no, lines. You know what? A lot of them hate 
hate it. A lot of really? them are doing it. Huh. Oh, oh yeah, they that. don't want to do it. <laughs> they want they want a plugin to do it for them. Oh, and, uh, oh no! no. I by hand. Oh yeah. Actually, Big Trouble in Little China is a big influence because of oh, the Doug yeah. Beswick electricity and that. The Raiden electricity is so oh, beautiful. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, is there anything that you've got uh, that you're you're working on or that you've recently worked on that you want to plug or that you want people to uh, head over and check out? Um, that you can legally that you talk can, about. I mean, fuck, who listens to us? Who's going to be copywriting claiming? Don't jinx Yeah. Don't call them. Heinz Saban actually is our first Patreon. Well, Dickinson is a show that I worked on that's sort of fun. It had some big stuff for us, for the current company I work for. We did some really good work on um, just seamlessly extending um, buildings, making it look old timey. Okay. Um, and then there's a bunch of ghost horse, ghost horses in it, Ooh, which are obviously awesome. a VFX. Very haunted uh, you can't shoot a real ghost horse; they don't show up on film. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Catch twenty two. That, that, that was a lot of hard work, and it turned out really well. So I'm really pro I'm proud of that stuff. That's good. Very cool. So what company are you working with now? Uh, it's called uh, Molecule VFX. It's okay. in, uh, we were based in New York, but now everyone's working out of home. Yeah. <laughs> as, as are we. Well, yeah. I'm yeah. not. I'm an essential employee. <laughs> Kill oh, me. And you're talking to me. I can't believe it. <laughs> Bow, swine. <laughs> Fear me. Essential. I, I feel like I'm very unessential when i'm like shoot like spraying blood in my backyard to see how it flies. <laughs> dude that's the stuff that is honestly especially at this point the most essential i don't know <laughs> where i'd be if it wasn't for entertainment in my life yeah. awesome yeah that's well, great hey thank you so much rick for coming on and chatting with us this has been a fantastic awesome yeah, yeah. An incredibly fun time i couldn't have picked a better night to want to kill myself <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> nice <laughs> wait, wait. Here, let's see what Flabber has to say about. Oh it. yes. Oh yeah, I agree. Perfect. That's just flabberizing, man. Into pulp. <laughs> well, the earth that flabber. <laughs> I got another flabber for you. Hold on. Oh, go for okay. It. Yep. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> perfect summation of how this is gone. Exactly. Oh. Flabtastic. Yeah, uh, thank you again, Rick, and uh, everybody. Make sure that you're staying safe and that you're tuning in. And uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and everything else at Big Bad Beetle Bros. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for for coming together, and thanks, Rick, for chatting with us. Very much. Oh yeah, you bet. Take care, guys. All right, yeah, see you too. as well. Stay safe. <laughs>